Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of our podcast, Drop the Needle in the Haystack, where we take a listen using the Forgotify web application to tracks on Spotify that have until this point never been played. And I'm Robbie, and I'm joined as always by my hosts, Eric and Matt. Hey, everyone. Hi, everyone. We're finally getting the name of our app correct this week. I just want to go on record and say that, yes, Chelsea did correct us, but I always knew that it was Forgotify. I just didn't want to embarrass my colleagues. Oh. <laughs> I see. That's how it is. Well, welcome to a very special episode where we throw each other under the bus. <laughs> I'm going to stay clear of this. Eric, do you have a, a great bit to do for us this week? Oh, no, no. There's no advertisements. We didn't make any money this week. Sorry, oh. guys. Oh, yeah, no. No, no, sponsors. no one came Maybe. calling. Yeah. Maybe we'll reach out to Raid Shadow Legends and finally get that dream sponsorship. Yeah. One day. Alrighty. Um, we want to jump right into the episode then. I think I'm going to start us off, right? That's right. I'll do a little bit of an introduction. Um, today's piece, as it is, is called Fire Down Below. The performer is Bob Walzer and his friends. I think I want Matt to just go ahead and play it from the beginning. And I heard our old man say, Fire down below, boys. Fire down You can below. go ashore and get your pay. Fire down below. Okay, yeah, so there's a little taste of it. Um, I think for all of us, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't speak for all of us, but Bob Walzer is kind of a musician after our own hearts because this is a guy who spent a good portion of his life um, in academia and studying music through a collegiate level and then went on to use his skills um, in kind of an interesting way after he graduated. But let me give you a little bit of a bio. Musician, scholar, and educated educator Bob Walzer's musical career spans decades and continents. In the early 1980s, he made his living as a shantyman at Mystic Seaport, one of the largest maritime museums in the USA. Since then, he has presented folklore and action, folk music, and dance programs as an artist in residence in schools across the USA, and performed as a singer, dance leader, and dance musician from Maine to California and overseas. As a scholar, Bob earned his PhD in ethnomusicology at the University of London. His research in folk music and music education has been published in the Folk Song Journal, and publications by World Music Press. It goes on a little bit more, but you know that gives you an idea of this guy. Ethnomusicology is the study of other cultures' music. So it is not Western art music focused. It's kind of, it, it dives more into folk music, into music that is sung by various indigenous cultures throughout the world, stuff that doesn't have uh, really written history. And so this project that he was working on, that a little bit of what we just heard, and I've got to check, is it's called the Dreg Sea Project. Let me check the pronunciation of that. 
That seems right. Something about going I think down it's to drag. the dregs, getting dragged yeah. down to the dregs. I feel like right. there's an expression using the word dreg. Yeah, it is. It's definitely dregs. All right, so the Dreg Sea Project. In the 19th century, Scotsmen fished for oysters in the Firth of Forth by dragging dredges over the oyster scalps. To maintain a steady speed, they sang as they rode. Overfishing brought the industry to a close near the turn of the 20th century, and with it, the use of the dreg songs. In the 1930s, James Madison Carpenter gathered some of these songs on wax cylinders and typewritten pages. For years, the songs were hidden away, lost. Now the work of the James Madison Carpenter Project, these songs have come back to life first at Mystic Seaport Museum, where Bob used to work, and now um, in their home waters of the Firth. So yeah, this is uh, some, of, some of that history. It gives a context. This really caught me off guard on For, For Godify. You get a lot of techno music. You get a lot of kind of home projects, basement recordings, that kind of stuff. This was the first I'd really heard of this kind of music. Hearing these really interesting and cool vocal harmonies come out of nowhere. This kind of, yeah, well, this is not kind of, but definite shanty man kind of style singing was just really, really cool to see. What do you guys think of it? Well, first, I didn't know you could be a shantyman as a career in this day and age, so that's pretty neat. But yeah, I think I always enjoy hearing these vocal music is kind of like the most ancient and widespread music we have, right? Because you don't need any instruments, you don't really need refined methods of note reading or anything. So we've been singing for, you know, basically as long as we've had the ability to. And I think it's also an interesting thing we run into in these these acapella styles of music, like the sea shanty or in something like, um, you know, Gregorian chant. You get a lot of similar harmonies, a lot of those per- perfect fourths or perfect fifths ending that. And I think it also kind of highlights the history of music in an interesting way. I think maybe in a lot of our, our classical music and, and today in the music that we listen to, is you know music for for its own sake right it's kind of like uh, an art form and expression and that's all great but i think it's interesting to think about that sometimes like the shanty had a had a purpose right kept them in time doing their their business on the boat and i think a lot of this kinds of music this early kinds of music and especially through the lens of ethnomusicology it had this sort of intertwining in everyday life that maybe we don't have as much or in as many ways as we do today yeah, I agree. I I find work music, as you called it, it's very fascinating because you can see which characteristics of the music developed out of uh, like almost a utilitarian kind of product. You know, like with this sea shanty, it has that uh, rocking characteristic to the the rhythmic motifs, like the da 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 da. Right? That's like a syncopated kind of. It almost fits the bill of being a sea shanty because of that that rocking syncopation. But then the very strong ending of that where it's right on the beat right you can see how it very clearly demarcates time in the same way that you know a march is a it's a functional piece of music the march is designed to keep you in time and keep keep the beat going dance music is even functional um i mean not past a certain point when you get into like really elaborate dance suites but waltzes any kind of dance it's functional music and the characteristics that that develop are almost out of necessity what I found really neat about this music was it reminds me of the New England singing tradition. Bill, what's his face? He, he wrote all of the choir songs. Bill something. 
He was like, yeah, America, you're, you're right. He was America's first like big composer because he was writing all of the like the hymns in in like the New England area. Was it Bill Willings? Is it William Billings? William William Billings. There we go. I had him backwards. It's a, if you study the harmony, the counterpoint's actually quite bad by like Western musical standards, right? William Billings would have failed his his counterpoint class. There's tons of like parallel fifths and and all these like illegal things happening in his four part writing but it sounds strong and like it's very powerful and this singing tradition reminds me of that where you've got these really strong powerful perfect intervals and like strong cadences on octaves but you can hear how it's like well they were just singing that way because it was necessary right no that's, that's very interesting i, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the fact that you know, I don't know if this song specifically, but a lot of these songs on this album kind of are coming from these wax cylinders and how that for traditions that were passed down orally, that's all that remains of a lot of these songs. So wax cylinders went with the phonograph, right? I'm remembering that right? Yeah. And the phonograph, you know, there, were, there was this huge movement, I feel like, especially during this period of time of composers who traveled apart, different countries took all these songs down, all these traditional songs down on their phonographs, and then went back and used those pieces to compose their own pieces. So Bartok and Kodai and all these relied entirely on this technology. And to see kind of this guy did this with, you know, these shanty songs, and then they were lost, and now are making their comeback is cool. But there was this whole movement, right? Yeah. And I wonder if this you know, kind of happened concurrently around the same time. I'm not familiar with the uh, James Madison Carpenter, with James Madison Carpenter. I know that that was like a fairly agended idea, like this idea of um, now we can capture all these things. It also makes me wonder like, man, how much stuff that we lost, you know, like how much music is is like the, the extant music and like what did the photograph not capture? not so clear an idea of what music sounded like for the majority of human history, right? Like, you know, the, the ancient Greeks and, and the ancient Persians and all these other ancient civilizations didn't have the kinds of musical notation systems that we have today. So, you know, and, and I'm not up on all the, the, you know, academics, but my understanding was that there's just a lot of it that we have really no idea at all about or, or anything exact about what it might have sounded like because we relied on the oral tradition and even with the oral tradition you have to wonder how much it changed like over time right mm -hmm. i remember i actually learned that when i was learning about um a little bit about persian music and like the persian musical tradition is you know in many cases it's just passed down from master to their student right, right. but then like each iteration of a song will change it evolves like language so two guys will be singing a same song like very differently you know, I even did this in my little, I did that talk on like Korean traditional music, how there's multiple versions of the same song. They use similar lyrics and touch on the same kind of themes. But as it spread over the, the, the peninsula, like musical characteristics changed very much. There were similar contours and rhythms, but it, it changed. Yeah, I, I was just about to bring that up, Matt, that uh, if you felt that, because uh, I, I listened to that talk, if that was the reason, just the oral tradition as it spread across Korea, if... Uh that song changed dramatically just by its retelling and, and spreading and how much of our music, you know, changed because of that. It's uh, it's all very interesting, but I'm glad that these songs were saved in, in some capacity and that they could be recreated. 
I feel like these guys did a great job of doing that. The album title, what's the full album title there, Matt, in case people uh, want to check it out for themselves? When Our Ship Comes Home, Fresh Songs from Salty Traditions by Bob Walser and Friends. Great job, Bob. If, uh, if you ever want to come on the podcast, we'd be happy to have you. <laughs> we would be so pumped to have bob walser and friends on the podcast or, or just or just bob but like i don't know i yeah. love these passion projects where it's like such a niche subject and like someone really lovingly is doing their research to kind of keep these things alive right that's awesome all right robbie do you want to take over here sure my track for this week is it's from the album pieces of pie and that's pie like the the number pi and it's by keegan Theo. Uh, the track is Tickle Frame. So let's listen to a little of this and then I'll get into it. here there it's kind of a little chaotic maybe to to think about i was certainly taken aback on my listen to it but i think there was something about it i find i found really uh compelling you know maybe it's just it's almost halloween and it's kind of spooky but i i really dug it and you know this is an issue we run into a lot trying to do the show because some of these artists you look for you search and search and search and you can't find anything, no matter how hard you try. I really did try for Mr. Keegan Theo. This is his only album on Spotify. And when I search for him, I find nothing. I can find nothing. So I, I tried, you know, searching the publishing company. I think he's just self-published. But it also at the bottom, there was an organization called Mr. Poe Media. And so I searched for that. And I found a website that seems to have some information on that organization. Uh, and I think it's the same guy, because, well, I'll just read you a little about it. It says, I, Keegan Miller, which is the, the man's uh, real last name, Theo is the middle name from what I gather, known in the business as Mr. Poe, have potentially very lucrative idea which I wish to develop. And then he goes on to describe a new kind of LCD mirror. But that's all I could find about Mr. Keegan Theo. Wait, an LCD mirror? Yeah, uh, he says it's called the Clearer Mirror. It's an LCD touchscreen attached to one or more cameras, which produces images of the user as a replacement for mirrors. I don't know how well that worked out, because it looks like the company closed down in 2013. I do want to say, I didn't know you could have, like, business names. He's, he's Keegan Miller, but he's known as Mr. Poe in the business. I want could that. I, like, talk to investors and say, my name's Robbie Head, but in the business I'm known as Professor Good Deals, or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> that would be... <laughs> Uh, Gotta make funny. sure to trademark that before it gets taken away from you, though. Right. Yeah, Mr. Good Deals. Professor. No, no, no. I mean, if it's if it's copyrighted, you're safe from the moment of you know conception. So you saying it on this podcast right now, Robbie, you're good. Original no one can take that from you. Do not steal. Yeah, yeah this is my <laughs> this is my OC alternate identity, Professor Good Deals. <laughs> Somebody draw some fan art of what that person might look like. But getting into the music itself, and I, you know, in some ways, being totally unable to find anything about this person 
aside from a potentially related business venture makes it all the more special, right? Because I, uh, you know, we, uh, I was joking there with the business name and all, but I really did enjoy this track. And I think there is a lot to be said about the interesting things you can do with all these electronic effects. I don't know, maybe I just like music that has a lot of noise in it, but something about this track really I've noticed me. you, you, uh, you tend towards the adjective, what is it, gritty or grime or something like that in, a, in some of our previous episodes. I do. I just love all the dirt. Cover me in dirt. <laughs> Robbie gritty? likes... Gritty yeah. the weird He likes busy guy. music. Right, he's the, I think he's in Philadelphia. Yeah, Gritty's like the, like the all orange Philadelphia mascot. Right. Really? Oh, yeah, I have like no idea big, what you guys are talking about. Big right. eyes and he he's looks like kind the, of horrifying. The crazy Muppet, like, yeah. uh, uh... Is he like a sports team mascot? Yeah, I think he's for a hockey team. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, he's more no of idea. a mascot of just Philadelphia at this point, I think. Yeah, no, I don't know. But Robbie does seem to like the, uh... The busier music, you know? One thing I noticed, Robbie, I, I liked it. I think what I liked is how nice the underlying, and underlying is the right word here, melody is. The right. Melody is not at the forefront, but it's a beautiful melody. Like, it really captivates, and it's just being covered up by, like, this distorted kind of, like, guitar sound, right? And other things. But that's what immediately grabbed my attention, and it, it hooks you because you really have to listen for it, right? You can't yeah. just sort of go on autopilot, but you have to you have to follow the contours of the melody because the rest of the song is trying so hard to kind of cover it up. I was surprised there was no vocal component. I felt like it was like the perfect intro for some kind of vocalist to come in mm. at some point. You know, for those of you who go and listen to this on your own, I don't think you'll be disappointed in the end that there was no vocalist because it does... I think only get better and better. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I really loved it. It was kind of like looking at something through the fog. You can catch glimpses right. of it and your ear is constantly getting hints of the melody. And I think it had a re slightly repetitive characteristic to it. I, I couldn't quite tell if it was like a loop or just repeated melodic ideas. I could hear that like da 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 kind of thing happen a few times. Mm. And the cool thing sure. about the design of this melody was that it gives you just the important enough pieces that you know what's happening. It outlines like tonic and dominant function right. with, with like the leading tone. I think uh, getting thrown in there every now and then. It reminds me. It reminds me of, of of a lot of things, kind of all coming together in one happy product. It reminds me of some early My Chemical Romance and Panic at the Disco. Like I remember Panic at the Disco had this weird little piano interlude track on like the I Write Sins album, but also just like that messy, really noisy kind of distortion. It's, it's just early Panic and early My Chemical Romance for me and like that aesthetic they were into. But also do you, Robbie, like um, for piano music, there were these Baroque composers before, you know, precursors to Bach, mm. right before Bach and like around the time of maybe Corelli and a little, maybe even a little before him. They were writing their trio sonatas and preludes, and it was like before Bach kind of standardized the prelude, right? Like the Bach prelude structures are very easy to follow. They make a lot of sense. They unfold very naturally. But then there's some more of these these like kind of freeform, free-flowing keyboard preludes that right, uh, they just the... kind of noodle around. Right, like the unmeasured prelude. Yeah. And this reminded me a little bit of that, where it's just kind of like rocking gently back back and forth between like these tonic dominant harmonies. And like, it's not like it's meandering in a bad way, but it, when you're catching the glimpses of the melody through it like this, it, it was just really nice. There's a lot 
to be said uh, about, I think, the, the role of noise in music, right? That's like the whole idea of distortion on guitars, right? Like you said, um, with think tracks like this, you know, it, it kind of makes you listen to those larger elements of the melody, makes it maybe more haunting or, or, or adds a different emotional quality. And I think we hear a lot of that, especially the popular musics and the more modern musics. Even someone I think like Charles Ives, where he's got like, there's a, an element of just like chaotic noise that covers up the music. And you get a lot of that, I think, even in uh, like some beats, some beats that, that people make, you know, they've got this bass line, they've got maybe a rhythm, and then they've got these layers of just not functional noise over top of them that I think, like like you guys were saying, do all this to highlight the different um, aspects of the music. What was cool was that the distortion noise was fully integrated into the song, though. Right. Like, when he was omitting a note and hitting you with the noise sound, it almost sounded like the noise was tuned. Like, I was I was able to hear tonic through some of it, you know? Right, yeah, no, that's it. And, and part of that, you wonder, is like, is that just my brain really wanting to hear this next note? Yeah. Or, but it's, but I think, yeah, it's used to, to good effect. Very, very intelligently deployed and, and, and integrated. Yeah, really what? cool find. I like it. I'm just curious about the title. Yeah, I was yeah, just about to frame. say, what is Frain? Is Frain a thing? I don't know. Is that the mirror? Was it going to be called the Tickle Frain mirror? Etymology for Frain. Hang on. Isn't there ask? like a, a mirror like that now anyways, the workout mirror thing? Maybe there is, and maybe that's why it didn't work out. Uh, yeah, it could be ah. Old English for like to ask. Shall we move on to my selection for this week? Yeah. For this one, like Robbie, I had a hard time finding about, out about our artist here. Uh, the whole gang was scouring through the depths of Google for the this this guy or these these guys. For this week, the song I chose is called www.com and it's all spelled out d o t c o m www.com and it's by the duo uh David Simmons and Jimmy Bryant, I think. And we were able to find out something about Jimmy Bryant, maybe he was a guitarist, but he died in like the 80s. So we highly there doubt... Has, there hasn't been a Jimmy Bryant here for over 40 years! <laughs> we, we highly doubt that it is the same uh, Jimmy Bryant. Just in time for Halloween. Yes, it's yeah. a very spooky episode this week, folks. And uh, this yeah. is off the album Hey, Uncle Sam. And hey is spelt like, uh, like what horses eat. Here is uh, www.com. And I'm going to start my track right at like 122. Two. I'll just let the lyrics speak for the song. We can do it all on the internet. Hey, email, Gmail, any old kind. We still read between the lines. Our love is getting stronger every night. Man, oh man, what a heck of a time. You and I loving on the telephone line. As we cruise on down that super highway. Hey, www.com backslash We found love and really last We owe it all to the internet So yeah, I saw Eric bopping along to this one It's another it's another fun country, uh, I think, comedic song, right? Would you guys agree? Yeah, yeah. I think so If Robbie likes the gritty music, Matt, you like the country music I'm, I'm just here for the memes, man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the country parody songs are really weird. They're that. yeah, they're just great. That's right up my alley. I don't, I don't. I'm sorry to some people, but I, I, I don't listen to country music in my free time. But these country parodies, they're so funny. They're like almost self-aware with like the style choices to make them funny. 
Yeah, so this song, it seems like it's about um, finding love on the internet, right? That's what he says, right? So we've and he was Lonely ahead Man. of his time. Yeah, That's we've had Lonely we're all Man, doing now. Denim Dan, Searching for Love, and uh, www.com, Find Love on the Internet. And isn't that what everyone is faced with right now during oh, gosh. the pandemic? I remember seeing some articles about how uh, internet dating and dating apps are going to explode because of pandemic. But anyways, uh, so this song came out, I think, 2006 or 2008-ish. It wasn't super clear. I couldn't tell. But, you know, around early 2000s. So I love that he makes mention of Gmail. You know, Gmail gets a little shout out in there. I, I can't tell. I don't, I, I don't, again, I don't know if we're really going to go into this on the podcast, but I think at some point it devolves into a, a, an appraisal of a potentially phone or internet uh Kawaitis. I'm not. I'm not quite sure if you guys caught that one. Yeah, oh, I must have missed that. I, I think that's what it was. <laughs> Making love on you... the telephone line or something like that. Oh, nice. Heck yeah. yeah. And again, yeah. telephone I'm line pretty... and internet. So he's talking about dial-up. This guy. So it'll like, take a while. It's yeah. like tantric. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. Uh, when do you guys know when Avenue Q came out? Oh, that was early two thousands you... for sure. Yeah. Like yeah, it's around the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, I was. I'm, I'm uh, not gonna say the name on the podcast, but okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, they've got a similar, you know. I I know what you're talking about because I remember I watched a, a YouTube video about Avenue Q in middle school, so that was like around 2006-ish. At least. I just I looked just... it up, 2003. So it's a little, little ahead, but yeah, that early internet kind of thing. Uh, I'm not gonna get into it. But uh... we, we were also <laughs> obsessed with the fact you could like have sex over the internet. It was such there a big deal, and it still is, in my opinion. Technology. What a time to be alive, folks. Again, I just I think these country parodies, if, if we're even going to call it that, because it's quality, it's really quality sound. The sound's really good, you know, kind of, d- despite what the subject matter might be. He's got, like, the accent down, the style, like, that twangy guitar solo sound going on for him. It's great. Okay, I just, it's a small thing. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the way he says W... W. Yeah. W. <laughs> so, uh. yeah, immediately took me back to, you know, the colloquial name for our uh, our president during that time, w. George W. Oh, Bush. Boy. I wonder if that's, you know, intentional. Wow, he was I, the president I, at the time. Yeah, I, I kind of want to believe that it is WWW. I don't know if it's And he says it very... That's just he the says way it they, very clearly. That's just that particular accent, though. That's why he. I don't. I don't know if it is though. I don't know if it is though. Like, I feel like it's got extra emphasis was put on W's nickname being W. You know. Well, Well, like yeah, maybe exaggerated it it for the joke, but the the main the core of it, I think, just comes from a southern type of accent. I mean, yeah, sure, the core of it, but at the very least, that pronunciation of W as W was very in the public psyche right just like how he said uh what, what did he say nu- nuclear nuclear or something yeah. he couldn't say nuclear he always said nuclear yeah wow what a simpler time, <laughs> what a simpler time <laughs> yeah, by indeed. the way go out and vote everybody make sure you're registered and yeah. go out to vote please go, go early vote. get to your polling place have you guys voted i did first state i was allowed to yeah i voted too i have to get Matt, you're having some trouble I was right? I was having a bit of trouble. I had to try several times to register in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, the website wasn't working. My mail-in registration got lost. Mm. So I had to go down to the uh, county office and register in person. But I did it. Now I can vote. I just need to get to the polling place when early voting can happen. 
It's weird. We all made our plans. I didn't have to worry too much about New York voting red. Right. Yeah. Now, oh, I, yeah. now you're in a contested zone. I'm I'm in I'm in a battleground state now. My vote really matters. Finally, for Robbie the first time. Robbie and I know that time. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, vote for Joe Biden. Don't vote for Donald Trump. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> don't vote. Don't vote even for Kanye West because the meme is not worth it. Everyone. Right. If you not... were someone who voted for Harambe, don't vote for Kanye West. Right. <laughs> Right. I hate that I have to say it, but like, just don't do it. I forgot that people wrote him in. Eric, how could you forget forget that that happened here? That happened here. That was us. I know. I know it happened here. I know it happened here. Ever since that is when everything started going downhill. Ever since Harambe. Oh man. You ever? uh, I don't know. This is off topic now, but uh, you ever go down to the Newport Newport Aquarium, Robbie? Mm -hmm. They've got like Harambe. Like it's not the. What's the name for an animal enclosure place? Zoo. Zoo. <laughs> it's not the zoo. <laughs> Flip it, God damn. You gotta clip that one. <laughs> gotta get a pog and champ. <laughs> the animal enclosure place. <laughs> there was such a long pause. Ugh. <laughs> 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 I do. Just a blank. Yeah. I mean, how many words really start with Z? You know, my. Just that one. That's like the first word you learn for Z when you're a child and you're learning the alphabet. Uh, It's xylophone and then zoo. Zoo. Animal (laughs) enclosure. Anyway, you go down to the aquarium and they sell Harambe. Like do it, do it for Harambe shirts down there. That wasn't yeah. That's the aquarium. That's not even the dang zoo. I know. That's what I was saying. It's not. I was like trying to say it's not the zoo, but you know it's close enough. It's not the animal enclosure place. It's about solidarity, right? Right. You know, Harambe would definitely help the dolphins escape if he could. Right. So anyway, come to Cincinnati, everybody. We've got that zoo where Harambe died. Um, Oh my God, (laughs) the animal enclosure place. Yeah, the finest animal enclosures. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't me this week, Eric. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Taking one for the team. You got so, it. Uh, given given that transition, shall, shall we uh, talk about what we've been listening to this week? Uh, Robbie, you want to start us off? This week, okay, so I've been listening to this actually the past couple weeks a little bit. There's a, a new album by Neil Sisierga. You might remember him from those famous... Uh, internet videos. He had a whole bunch of them. I think he did the ones about the like the Harry Potter puppet pals, the mysterious ticking oh, noise. That, oh, that guy. Okay, and he also be... has uh, also J.K. Rowling. It's trash, by the way. Yeah. Also, <laughs> while he while uh, he also has a lot of albums of mashups. This kind of uh, mouth moods, mouth uh, something or other. But this latest one is Mouth Dreams, and it's really cool. They're I don't all... like that. I don't like that title. <laughs> <laughs> mouth Dreams. Uh, take from that what you will, but. They're really all very neat and very funny mashups. So I like would what recommend. What kind of mashup? Can you give me an example of one? Like he does, I think one from the last album is he. What's the song? Making my way downtown. What's that one? Walking fast, making fast. Downtown. That's yeah, not that is not thousand miles. Yes, a thousand miles, and he mashed it up with uh, Back in Black with ACDC, and it oh, worked nice. really well. And he's got a lot of interesting ones on this album too. So. If something like that is interesting to you, I think it's worth a listen. Very funny. 
Do I have to go before Eric because Eric always likes to go last? I frantically like scouring for anything last, that's not go clarinet music. Go ahead. All right, fine. Uh, no, it's going to so be clarinet music. I found this really nice uh, playlist off of YouTube. It's also on Spotify. <laughs> the, the, the Spotify playlist is literally just called Japanese songs. What? It's not very descriptive. Okay. But there's a song to off the point. of it that has been like my favorite one. It's called Ichi Daiji, and it's by Polka Dot Stingray, a very cool band. For me, the music just makes me think of like a, a good 90s or early 2000s anime, and like you know the, the opening for an anime, right? Exciting. So, okay. I've been listening to this playlist while I've been doing work and stuff, and I highly recommend everyone check it out. Sounds cool. All right, so this week, yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's it's been all clarinet all the time. Only business this week. No fun. So. I've been listening to Martin Frost and Sabine Meyer, their renditions of the Weber Concerti, mostly Weber Concerto number two, because I'm casually learning this on the side. Casually. I, I really, I really don't like the piece that much. I'm gonna be honest. I feel like that's a clarinet send to admit, but it's like one of those things you have to know. All right. I've, I've put off learning it for All a very right. long time. Weird flex. So but go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. But, I think, uh, Eric, you yeah. should talk a little bit about this. People don't realize if you play an instrument like the clarinet, you got to get all of it. You don't get to pick. There's not enough for you to be picking. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I don't know. I think you guys have more selection than oboe. But that's probably true. Yeah, but you guys you guys have earlier selection stuff too, though. We have Bach, but like our the modern oboe can't even like play Bach without like dying. And then you've got yeah. the Strauss that literally killed a man. Like, half yeah. our concertos what? are trash. Is that L.A. Phil? Was that L.A. Phil? Yeah, that was God Rest His Soul. Uh, no, that wasn't the L.A. Phil. That was um, San, San Francisco, Francisco with Michael Tilson Thomas. Okay. He, it, was, it was literally mid-concerto. Like, he holds, held out his oboe to the principal violinist and, like, fell, right? Not performance. I think it was the dress rehearsal. Dress rehearsal. So, thank okay. God. I don't think it was actually the live performance. Uh, someone can fact-check me on this, but, uh, yeah, the Strauss concerto that killed a man playing the oboe because he was like in his 50s and he wanted to prove he was still young and like he could still do it because it's a notoriously athletic piece to like get through like if you look at the first movement and i just open it up it's like two full pages with not a single written rest and like slurs going over entire like systems yeah that's brutal yeah. for such a back um back pressure heavy instrument that is yeah i i feel like you know i guess band kids know but the rest of the population doesn't know just how strenuous playing like a wind instrument can really be. Like yeah, you you're sweaty. up there for, I get really sweaty when I practice. <laughs> you know, you have to have like workout shirts that you put on just for practicing. At least I do. Put the fan you know? on, otherwise it sounds like garbage. Because we play a wind instrument. All these things. But you know what? Let's save some for a different podcast. You know, I'm sure we'll have some like oboe piece up and you can tell everyone how terrible the oboe is. You know, I haven't found any oboe on Forgotify. So um, if you're listening to me, Forgotify Jesus, can you please bless me with an oboe track next week? All right. Robbie, you want to? Right. I, so, think, I think that's it. Yeah, Eric's given me the signal. He says we've run out of time. So we're going to ask everyone to like our podcast and follow it and review it and rate it wherever you listen to it on Spotify or on Apple. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at DropHaystack, and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at DropTheNeedleInTheHaystack. And check us out on Instagram, where we'll be posting funny clips like today with the animal enclosure <laughs> place. Uh, we'll be posting <laughs> funny clips from our behind the scenes, and also we'll be sharing some of the songs that we find to our stories. As always, 
Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>